This is Joy Silver, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Outspoken here at Radio 111, where we're ready to stand up and fight back. Our podcast today is presented by Harcourt's Desert Homes in Palm Springs. You're just minutes away from learning why Scott Palermo, James Sanic, and their team of real estate professionals are your best solution for buying or selling a home in the Coachella Valley. And you'll find them online at harcourtsdeserthomes.com. And today we have with us... Phil Drucker, and we are going to be talking about the Inquisition and its ramifications and parallels to the Roe opinion. Phil Drucker is a recently retired and still recovering lawyer who currently teaches constitutional law at the California Desert Trial Academy in Indio, California. Now, when he's not in class or lecturing, he's probably drinking coffee, petting his dogs, and looking to get in someone's way and make some good trouble. So welcome, Phil Drucker. Well, good morning to you, Joy, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to make some really good trouble here. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from you, Phil, and we know uh, that this Roe opinion and its parallel to the Inquisition, please tell our listeners a little bit about your point of view on this. Yeah, it's actually, um, I don't know if the word is fascinating or frightening, but let me take you back to a little um, background. Uh, because really where we have to go uh, is back to, believe it or not, 711 A.D. <laughs> and the reason for that being is because this is when the what was left of the Roman Empire um, launched a Roman Inquisition hmm. to try to, um, you know, get some of the territories that they still claim to have under control. And so at a certain point, they finally get in about 720 to they get to the point where they're now trying to recapture the Iberian Peninsula. Um, This was mostly to remove the uh, Moors Mm -hmm. who lived in the area, um, those who practice Islam. And at a certain point, they actually do, in fact, uh, retake the territory and um, sort of start to, uh, for the most part, just banish the uh, Moors. And so... Keep in mind that at this point, we don't really have Spain yet. Uh I mean, Spain doesn't exist. It's just the what they're doing is the Iberian Peninsula is made up of different kind of city-states for the most part. And then it has certain territories, which, of course, we still see today. Uh, Even today, there's still many of the territories we talk about in Spain. Now, the Spanish Inquisition, as we know it, started probably in about 1391 A.D. Mm-hmm. And why I say that is because now that the um, Moors were gone, now they turn their attention to uh, anti-Semitism. And so in 1391, in fact, they start to uh, carry out programs in Sevilla. Mm-hmm. Now, Sevilla was almost 100% Jewish mm-hmm. at the time. So this is fairly obvious choice (laughs) that they're making very um, consciously. And basically what they do at this time is they offer the Jews the choice between becoming Christian by becoming baptism or, very popular back in the day, you die. Yes. And, (laughs) yeah. 
and we kind of go forward with this. And, uh, you know, these seeds are planted. Uh, clearly now there's, their eyes are still somewhat uh, worried or are still watching, you know, that Islam does not come back. But now most of it has turned to anti-Semitism. Um, now, we go forward, actually, uh, for a pretty long time now, um, without a whole lot happening, really, uh, until finally in um, October 19th of 1469. So again, remember, these are events that are taking place over a very uh, long amount of time. Um, we have the marriage of Isabella I of Castile and Ferdinand of Aragon, mm-hmm. uh, who owned two of the territories that have been living side by side for years, but never unified. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, they begin to unify, and they start to have this idea that maybe we could have a unified uh, Spain as a separate country. Um, so be it. And not, not the worst idea I've ever heard, except a lot of it was based on very clearly maintaining Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, separation of church and state, uh, they couldn't have cared less. In fact, they were going exactly the opposite way. Right. They made they made they wanted to make sure that both Isabella and Ferdinand were both on record as being like really fervent believers. So don't believe a lot of the stuff you see online. They were not reasonable people. Okay, <laughs> they just weren't. And so at a certain point, they go ahead and um, you know things start to happen. And uh, in fourteen seventy eight, Pope Sixtus the fourth signs on with what's known as the papal bull. Um, we usually refer to these as fatwas today, not for the Catholic Church, but just so you know, that's the same thing, ordering kind of a law. And um, what he does is he gives them a very limited uh, scope, actually. It's mostly to fight heresy. Mm-hmm. And so what they do, though, is obviously, if you look at it, um, but to a great degree, the other interesting issue is that Isabella and Ferdinand are clearly trying to consolidate power mm-hmm. in the monarchy, mm-hmm. using religion to do this as one of their big wedges. And so what they end up doing is they end up basically setting up a tribunal court system, which you know today we refer to as the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, officially, for the record, the Spanish Inquisition probably started on the November 1st, 1478, uh, we do know that it actually ended on July 15th, 1834. That's a long time for the Spanish Inquisition. That's a long time. I don't think people are aware that and that consolidation of power, I'm just I'm underscoring that in your discussion there. And also, I want to come back to you about this word heresy, so please continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Well, the heresy that they were talking about was, uh, to a great degree, uh, they were trying to get people to converse, uh, but it seemed like what they were doing is they were converting, you know, for the record, so to speak, uh, but they were still practicing uh, most of their um, actual religious preferences in private. Mm-hmm. Now, this is probably true. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, this is this is probably true, but um, what happens is is that along with all of these issues. Unfortunately, uh, it really caught on. (laughs) 
the reason it kept going for as long as it did was not so much that they were really promulgating all that much, let's just call it, as they called it, limpieza de sangre, or purity of blood. Right. This um, newly formed, uh, you know, let's just call it a, a community for now. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting because during this time, it was widely believed that even if Jews converted, they couldn't really change their blood. Uh-huh. So it didn't mean anything. Purity of so blood. Yes, yeah, so a lot of purity of blood back here going on. <laughs> um, a lot of that. The problem being, though, is that the rise of the Spanish monarchy was mostly positive. People caught on to this. It was, you know, they were happy to help, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, lots of stories about family members, neighbors. You fill in the blanks. Uh, they were willing to turn in everybody mm-hmm. if they suspected of of, of of doing these heretical acts, mm-hmm. which amounted to a not first of all not being Catholic. <laughs> okay, that was number one, and number two, not being now this idea of Spanish is catching on mm-hmm. a lot more. But the monarchy kept rising, and they kept consolidating power, and so they just let it ride. Um, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they knew about the a lot of the atrocities that were taking place, all which are well documented. They had no real, you know, problem putting it down on paper. They were quite pleased of themselves, <laughs> to be honest. And um, as they kept going, um, they at the same time wanted to foster this idea of the idea of a Spanish culture mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so you see how we're going down the same kind of route here, uh, you know, even with a lot of what's going on today, where we see where there's a minority group, starts as kind of a minority, who basically have gone out and decided that they, in the interest of uh, saving America, are now going to have to consolidate the persons who believe like they will around these ideas of evangelical Christianity, which, of course, are no crazier than anything, you know, more or less crazy than anything that Isabella and um, uh, Ferdinand would have believed. And so now they're just sort of, you know, kind of consolidating this idea that they can take over through uh, imposing religion, uh, imposing social order, imposing the American way, uh, imposing these are not real Americans, that's why they don't know the American way, uh, filling in the blanks. And if we follow it through, though, it's really interesting because they didn't just stop when they finally did actually expel. Most of the Moors were gone. Most of the Jews were gone. There were these, you know, huge, uh, you know, relocations and banishments and whatever else have you. And so they didn't stop there, though. They kept going. And so they end up, at the end, though, getting really extreme. And they start picking on all of the other religions, Catholic religions, Protestant religions now, and all that's going on, except Roman Catholicism. Okay. So they're actually going after people to prove their purity. 
Okay, well, we're at purity. I'm going to ask you to hold right there, Phil, because once you say that word purity, our discussion today is with Phil Drucker, and we are talking about the Inquisition and its parallels to today, the Roe opinion, and we're going to continue with him in just a few moments. Hello, I'm Scott Palermo. And I'm James Sanak. We'd like to take a moment to share with you our unique and successful approach to working with Coachella Valley home buyers, sellers, and real estate investors. Our goal is to build a people-first brokerage, and a significant part of that is making certain that our customers can always count on working with quality, like-minded agents. At Harcourt's Desert Homes, James, myself, and our extraordinary team of dedicated real estate professionals are privileged to work with the best clients through our commitment to personal service and attention to a clients every detail. That commitment is how we have achieved the honor of being ranked at the top 1% of realtors in the desert cities. We have been named to the best of the best realtors in the Coachella Valley by Palm Springs Life magazine. Scott mentioned the word unique a moment ago, but it's not just a marketing buzzword for Harcourt's Desert Homes. In fact, it's our superpower for helping clients worldwide. Harcourt's International is one of the half dozen most successful real estate companies around the globe with more than $34 billion in annual revenue. And it's the unique selling proposition that led us to affiliate our brokerage with Harcourt's here in the Coachella Valley. That's right, James. Harcourt's Auctions. This platform separates our brand from the rest of the pack. Think of this as a marketing tool similar to Christie's Art Auction in New York City. Just as with other luxury items and fine art, Harcourt's Auction sells luxury real estate to high net worth consumers. For more than six years, our brokerage has won more than 100 sales production awards. We'd love to put that achievement to work for you. We specialize in properties in Palm Springs, Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, Indian Wells, and La Quinta. If we can help you, please reach out to us at 760-864-4100. Again, that's 760-864-4100. Or visit Harcourts Desert Homes online at harcourtsdeserthomes.com. That's H A R. C-O-U-R-T-S, DesertHomes.com, Harcourt's Desert Homes. We're located at 119 North Indian Canyon Drive in downtown Palm Springs. Remember, in real estate, knowledge is power. And we are back here talking to Phil Drucker about the Inquisition has begun. So, Phil, you talked about so many uh, critical things right now and 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 you're just getting into how the inquisition and it's parallel to what's happening today we've just come to that part of our discussion and this is very obviously uh i mean i think it is it does produce terror certainly for me personally uh, that i see that parallel Mm -hmm. and please uh, talk a little more about what's happening today and how it's paralleling those times when people were burned at the stake and tortured and all sorts of torturing uh, uh, methodologies were invented and the consolidation of power and you also mentioned purity of blood and uh, I can see many parallels to where we're going today so please continue mm-hmm. well, yeah so um, one of the parallels I see today clearly along those lines and leading into the uh, this hideous uh, I guess you can call it an opinion about abortion well 
not much of an opinion in there except maybe Samuel Alito's personal choice of, you know, which God he wants to worship. That's the only one I see, but that's just me. But with that said, um, so what we see today, even with the January 6th committee, is we see certain members, I mean, Liz Cheney is not conservative enough (laughs) for the truly now MAGA slash, you know, GQP um, tests that they keep putting everybody through. You know, believe or die. Basically, that's the test at this point. That's right. Agree with us or don't. They've dunked her. Yeah, and then they're shooting people. They've dunked her into the pond to see if she was a witch or not. And my goodness, she drowned. So therefore, she must Indeed. be a witch. I mean, uh, there's a parallel there for sure. <laughs> Continue, please. Yeah. Yeah, and Kinzinger, he's a warlock, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, and so they're eating their own. They're eating their own party, which is exactly how the uh, Spanish Inquisition finally did stop, is they finally realized that, you know, the last, if I'm correct, the last sort of vestige of it was in Peru, where they had moved on to Mexico, because they felt that, you know, a lot of their problems that were in Spain were now by 1800s, you know, behind them. And they were realizing that they were just, they were throwing out people who were really, what they did as a a matter of history is they threw out the Moors, who were very industrious people. They threw out the Jews, who were very industrious people. They threw out the the sane Catholics, who were very industrial people. And so they end up missing the entire benefits, almost, of the Age of Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. They end up missing all the benefits of moving forward into, you know, this sort of idea, mostly based on the fact that Isabel and, so we go back again, Isabel and Ferdinand did not believe that persons needed to have a personal relationship with God Mm -hmm. and that they should take orders from the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And so they fall into a dark age. Mm -hmm. And that's why Spain, on the Iberian, now that Spain is a country, uh, it falls behind the rest of Europe, and they were there for a very long time. Now, do you think that's where we are in society today, that we are at the precipice of the Dark Ages? And Well, I think we've already fallen behind some European countries, but uh, do you think we're on that precipice right now? Um, well, I mean, again, depending on your point of view, it's either fascinating or completely frightening. Uh, but this is how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh it's very close. There's a lot of parallel, a lot of parallels, and if it doesn't stop, the logical conclusion of having, as did, you know, remember it's a peninsula when all this starts. You have a minority of a minority that's trying to tell a great number of people, all of whom have enjoyed autonomy, autonomy for years. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not there because they want to, you know, spite the Spanish. They think they have a right to be there, right. and they did. By the way, there was no reason not to. And yet I see the same things happening today, that if we allow this minority of this minority to hijack our courts, mm-hmm. uh, it sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the Spanish Inquisition was. Mm-hmm. It was just a formalized court proceeding. Mm-hmm. I, it's all it did. It just it sort of just took what it needed from the state, which was the, uh, the court format, to give it some kind of legitimacy. But we know that the court just followed 
whatever the uh, religious powers, whoever happened to be in any given area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's really all they did. They just carried, I mean, if you really want to talk about the the court aspect of the Spanish Inquisition, it's they did whatever, they did the executions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they really weren't there. They were there basically to get confessions, and they were there to carry out the uh, uh, the sentences, whatever that might be, uh, mostly the death sentences. Uh, and what uh, really in a big way, too, which I see happening today, is the centralized, at this point, the centralized party, so to speak, the, let's just call it for today, the uh, Isabella slash Ferdinand <laughs> um, party, um, begins to lose grip on the local areas. Mm-hmm. And what happens is it's just whoever the leader happens to be, the spiritual leader or whatever you want to say, leader of the Catholic Church in whatever area they were going into, that person would take the lead. And so a lot of the actual decisions and processes that went on were being made by people who were even more radical than Isabella and um, Ferdinand were. So... I see that happening today, too. I mean, how's Kyle Rittenhouse not in jail? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the parallel to... Right, and I think that uh, not being accountable in that way also is... uh, Now we're seeing what happened in Buffalo uh, with the shooting that happened there and this insistence upon Mm -hmm. the lone wolf theory and that this person is just one mentally ill person rather than the culture the subculture that's supporting this point of view. I mean, you know, it's very interesting, too, because here you have um, Isabella. She's a very powerful woman, but that doesn't mean she's going to allow other women to be powerful because when they do come up as having their own minds with their own ways of thinking, then then you have the accusations of witchcraft going on. And this infects the rest of Europe, which later on ends up in the uh, in the colonies, uh, when mm-hmm. there's the end of the the witch burning times still goes on in uh, the early 1600s that we see that then this is still part of what was happening in the um, the Inquisition which it's kind of amazing when you said how long the actual Inquisition went on and so consolidating power and and uh, mm-hmm. this is really the it seems to be the entire point of both the Inquisition oh, yeah. and, of course, what you said about having the court supporting uh, this opinion on Roe is more than that. And you also said something else that was kind of what, 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 very frightening. You talked about people informing on each other. Oh, yeah. That this was a feature yeah. of the, the Inquisition. And I think that is the part that I'm, that I'm watching now in this time period where mm-hmm. states are talking right. about informatants. Yes, uh, I agree. Uh, I think if we are to compare now the most uh, accurate uh, part of the actual processes of the Spanish Inquisition was to give a grace period. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would ride into town and say, anybody that wants to confess uh, has 40 days to do so. And so they would give you this 40 days, you know, think about it. <laughs> and one of the things you were, you had to do, if in fact you were going to take them up on their offer, was of course go in and tell them everything you knew. And so this was considered a good opportunity 
to try to avoid public trial, avoid any, uh, you know, over-the-top um, punishments, including many, 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 you know, methods of death, although most of them were burned at the stake, mm-hmm. um, who were found, uh, you know, to have been practicing heresy. <laughs> and didn't we see, didn't well, we not see the... Um uh, a form of the Inquisition happened. Well, now you had uh, FDR, who had made a lot of progress for the society, and in order to mm-hmm. to roll back the progress, so we saw Joe McCarthy, who was for sure the chief inquisitor of the time period, oh, yeah. following a progressive period that was really for the people. So does that... And so now we saw a number of civil rights and a number of acknowledgments in law that that supported the rights of people have happened and suddenly now we're almost moving towards now the next part of the inquisition where the court is now supporting this so uh, anytime there's a a lot of progress it seems and and you talked about this too with uh, Isabel and Ferdinand because you talked about the industrious people who were part of the Iberian Peninsula the Moors and the Jews, and so here we had uh, progress. Certainly, the Spain was more civilized, certainly than um, the, the British Isles were at that particular time period because of those influences. Mm-hmm. And yet, here was Ferdinand and Isabel rolling back the progress made by identifying them as not uh, n- the purity of blood scenario. And that is the purity of blood scenario that we're talking about now, but with the great replacement uh, theory. So um, yeah. I think we're once again at those same steps. Would you think that that was so? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, again, we're looking at society kind of not appreciating Again, the cultures and the diversities and the robust economy that these, you know, I, I guess you can call them minorities. I mean, they really weren't. They had every right to be there. But uh, we're actually giving to uh, Spain. And they're now being deprived of that. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they're falling behind everybody else. And they don't have the buffer of any of the... Uh, effects of the Reformation, which at least England had that kind of going on. Mm -hmm. You know, they were at least conscious about it. You know, certainly Protestantism had taken hold by then. I mean, it was, you know, um, not going anywhere, (laughs) so to speak, you know, did it. And um, so they end up basically burning themselves uh, for a kind of uh, sort of mixture of church and state where church comes first, mm. uh, whether the, their first job was to make it make it acceptable to have uh, you know a religious uh, you know uh, what would you call it I guess just a uh, you know a sectarian society based on uh, religious principles first and then everything else second, including uh, of course the ever popular. Uh, let's get rid of them because they're really the problems of all our economic woes anyway. That's right. And so, so you, men- 
You mentioned yeah. that again, with church becoming the primary thing, but who's church and who's God? And thank you so much, Phil Drucker, and thank you for joining us on Outspoken. I'm Joy Silver, reminding you that you can always access our podcast from Radio111.com or from all major podcast portals. If you'd like to email me, you can do it by writing to me at joy at Radio111.com. And when you need help selling or purchasing a home in the greater Palm Springs area, contact Harcourt's Desert Home. The website is just a click away from our show notes today, and their generous support makes it possible to bring you outspoken Joy Silver saying goodbye.